Okay. Alhamdulillah. Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah. Amma ba'd. Welcome. And uh, uh, tonight, insha'Allah, we're going to do something different. What I want to do, insha'Allah, tonight is, uh, in fact, I picked a book uh, that is actually a collection of hadith from the Prophet ﷺ. And this particular book is called Al-Jami' Al-Saghir. It's a small collection, it's like three volumes, but still called a small collection. And it's actually uh, written or collected by Imam Al-Suyuti. And it's important, I, I talk to a lot of young Muslims, and they have no clue who our scholars are. So Imam Al-Suyuti is one of the famous scholars of Islam. He died 9-11 uh, uh, after Hijrah, Hijri. Uh, so uh, we know that uh, our, uh, one of the ways to, uh, you know, uh, to, uh, one of the calendars I should say is the Hijri calendar, which is basically dating from the migration of the Prophet from Mecca to Medina. And all Muslims should be familiar with this calendar. So this Imam died 9-11 after Hijrah. This is easy to remember. Uh, and he was you know, famous for different uh, you know, uh, types of knowledge. But he was also a scholar of hadith, which means he's an expert on the narrations of the Prophet Muhammad And it's also uh, recommended that when you say the name of the Prophet, you say what? Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Or you could say, alayhi as-salatu wa Meaning, may the peace and blessing of Allah be upon him. Now, this particular collection is different because it is organized by alphabetical order. It is organized by alphabetical order. So all the hadith that starts with the word alif, which is the first letter in the Arabic, which is A in English, if you will, they're all listed together. So you see all the hadith that starts with the word alif. And then all the hadith that starts with the word or the letter ba or b. Okay? What I picked for you today is a special chapter. And this chapter starts with the word kaf, k. But the reason it is special is because there's a word in Arabic, Kana. And this word means, this word means, he used to. Meaning the prophet used to something. So this is why it is actually a chapter about the attributes and the habits of the prophet, He used to do this, he used to do that, he used to be like this, he used to be like that. So you're going to see, oh, it's a long, long chapter. And don't worry, we're not going to cover all of it today. I just want to give you a sample. Quite long though. I don't know. I mean, you can see how many pages. So I have select or a selected uh, number of hadith. Uh, because I see many Muslims do not recognize the Prophet, do not know who the Prophet is, or they only know few stories, and that's it. But they don't know who he was, they don't know his habits, what he used to like, what he used to do, uh, what are the uh, attributes or the, the character, the qualities he used to have or he used to like. So many Muslims you know, have no idea who the Prophet is. 
And they know many, many other celebrities. And they know exactly what they do, they know exactly what they wear, they know exactly how they, you know, how they look, what they, what they eat, all of that. And nowadays, obviously, the celebrities are usually uh, either the, you know, the, the singers or the, or the musicians or the uh, athletes. Uh, these are the celebrities of today. And a lot of times, they're not a good role model, unfortunately. I know we take them as such, but they're not the best role model. So let us look at the, at the individual, at the person who we say is our role model. How much do we know about him and how much can we learn about him? So I'll just go. It's, a, it's not organized in any fashion, so it'd be a lot of fun. You know, we can just take one thing about his, his, his life, one thing about his character, his quality, you know, stuff like that. So it's not organized in any particular order. We just want to learn more about the Prophet That's the idea here. So the first hadith says, كَانَ آخِرُ كَلَامِ نَبِيِّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ الصَّلَاةَ الصَّلَاةَ the last words of the Prophet before he died were As-Salat, As-Salat. And you know what that means. So he wanted to remind all Muslims about the importance of Salat. So imagine when you're dying, I mean, it's really hard. It's never easy. Not on the Prophet, not on anyone else. We all dread the moment. When, you know, we, not, we know we're departing, we're leaving this life. And we're leaving a lot of people around us, but people who might love us, people who will, will cry on us. And, you know, the, the process of dying itself is not easy. In fact, it is difficult. But imagine in this very dire moment, the Prophet ﷺ chose to say these words, to show us how important Salat is. Now, I know some of us may not be very... Uh, you know, disciplined. We may, we may not pray all the time. But this is a, a reminder from the Prophet ﷺ that if anything you want to guard in this religion, in this Islam, you want to guard Salat. You don't want to drop the Salat. You don't want to, like, abandon the Salat. We have people who, who have not prayed in a long time, who only pray when they feel like it. At the least, you should pray the five daily prayers and put an effort into it. So this is like the last thing that the Prophet said to us before he departed. He said, watch the prayers, guard the prayers, do not abandon the prayers. As-salat, as-salat. The next hadith is, it says, كَانَ أَبْغَضَ الْخُلُقِ إِلَيْهِ الْكَذِبِ It says that the worst, like the worst behavior the worst habit you can have is telling lies. Al-Kadib. And I know a lot of Muslims now may not realize this. And they start telling you about the white lie and it's okay to do this and this. there are exceptions here and exceptions there. Not according to the Prophet And they start talking about taqiyah and it's okay to hide or to deceive the default, like the character of a Muslim is that you are truthful all the time. The people, when they looked at the Prophet ﷺ, they would say, we look at his face and we can tell, just looking. He doesn't have to speak. Just by looking at the Prophet's face, 
we can tell he's a man that cannot tell a lie, that he's not capable of telling a lie. This was the character of the Prophet <laughs> One time a man came to the Prophet and he, he asked, and I love the companions, how they asked the Prophet I mean, they were not shy and they were very transparent, very straightforward. Nowadays, we kind of like, we want to be politically correct, we don't want to like offend anybody. The companions, this companion asked the Prophet He said, is it possible for the believer to be stingy? And the Prophet said, yes, it is possible. It's human nature. Some people are stingy. They're born stingy and they're going to die stingy. They're like miser. They don't like to spend any money. They're always trying to keep their money in the pocket and not, not spend it on anything. So he asked, is it possible for the believer to be a coward? He said, yes, it is possible. Again, we find some people courageous. Other people are not so courageous. We call them today chicken, right? But it is a fact. It is a fact that they're not courageous. So he said, it is possible, of course. Islam is not against human nature, right? And then he asked, he said, is it possible for a believer to be a liar? And the Prophet said, no, uh-uh. You don't tell me you're born as a liar. You can do something about that. You can change it. You don't have to be a liar. Don't let anyone convince you. In fact, people don't realize that when you tell lies and we keep telling lies, you're basically warping the reality around you and you confuse yourself more than anyone else and you, you stop being able to tell the difference between truth and falsehood so you're doing yourself a big disfavor a big, I mean, disservice when you keep telling lies in fact the Prophet told us if you, if you try and tell the truth all the time and you go out of your way to tell the truth this will guide you to Jannah so don't belittle these things. Don't belittle it and say, ah, it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. In fact, here it says that the worst behavior, the worst habit you can have, according to the Prophet, peace be upon him, is telling lies. So that is important. Okay? The next hadith, it says... He said, and, and there's a similar uh, narration, it says, He said, the most beloved action to the Prophet is the one you do on a regular basis. You have to be consistent. It doesn't matter how small, how little the action is. What matters is how consistent. Some people, you know, all of a sudden they become religious. And they want to do it all. They want to, you know, pray the sunnahs and the farad. They want to they fast Mondays and Thursdays. I mean, this is great. But the question is, are you able to sustain this kind of activity? Can you do it for a long time? Think ahead. It's totally fine. You start with something small. And then you grow it. And you try and be consistent with it. And this is true about anything in life. If you're consistent with something, you'll be successful in it. So this was the habit of the Prophet 
that if he started doing something, he would not drop it. He will keep doing it. And this is like a formula for success. Even if it, like I said, even if it is a, a, a very, very small action, but you are consistent with it. You do it on a regular basis and you don't drop it. Okay? Another hadith says, He was the best people in manners. How many times nowadays we encounter so-called religious people and they're the first people to drive you away from Islam because of their character. They're frowning, they're rude, and they're ready to shout at you for the least thing, I mean, the least uh, matter. And they think this is part of Islam, they think this is part of the Sunnah. Well, you look at the Sunnah of the Prophet, it says he was the best people in manners. There's a different hadith that says that you could not, listen carefully, you could not see the Prophet except smiling. This is really the sunnah, of, this is who the Prophet was. And, and you know, smiling is not easy. We don't always feel like smiling. We know how, how hard life is. We're having these difficulties, these, these hardships. Now, even when you're young, last time we talked about stress. You barely in, you know, middle school or high school. You're already stressed out. Life is hard. And it wasn't easy for the Prophet, nor his, his companions. But to be able to smile is not easy. It's easy to frown. It's easy to, to uh, yell at everybody. It's easy to be rude. It's not easy to smile. But the Prophet kept his smile. So it takes a lot of courage and a lot of uh, effort to keep your smile. Despite, you see, you know, sometimes you meet some people, well, I, I admire these people. You know he's in, in, in difficulty. You know he's having a hard time. Maybe his kid is in the hospital. Or maybe he's having a tough time at work. But subhanAllah, they never fail to smile. And they smile much more than the rich people who, who's got it all. They got this, these big mansions and these luxurious cars. But they're always, you look at them, they're, they're depressed, they're sad. And they're like, they feel low. And that nothing can please them. And subhanAllah, then you see these people, they're, they got almost nothing. But they got a smile. It's unbelievable. So, uh, smiling is from the sunnah of the Prophet There's another narration that says, He was the best of people. In fact, it says, He was the best looking. But also, your looks are not just a physical look. Some people mistake that sometimes. They think, well, I, I look handsome or something. But also the fact that you wear a smile will make you beautiful, will make you handsome. The fact that you're, you're good with people will make you look good. And the best in, in manners and behavior. Another hadith says, 
وأطول الناس صلاة لنفسه. He would be the like when he led the people in prayer. He would go easy on people. He would not make the prayer too long. Nowadays we see some imams they love to make the prayer so long. So the prophet, I mean the prophet was the opposite. If he was leading the people in jama'ah, especially if it is mandatory. Because if it is mandatory, you cannot tell somebody, oh, go pray home. If you don't like my prayer, you hear it sometimes. You hear it from some people, some imams. You don't like my prayer, go pray somewhere else. Go pray home. You cannot tell people that. The masjid is not yours. The masjid is for everybody. The masjid is the house of Allah. You cannot tell people to, to leave the masjid or go somewhere else. And unfortunately, we see it sometimes happen. You have no right, no matter who you are, to tell someone to leave the masjid. And I don't care how you think those people are. You might think they're not religious. You might think they're not pious. It is not your job. It is not your right to tell people to leave the masjid. The masjid does not belong to you, period. You can give people advice, of course, if you see them maybe not following a certain thing or a certain rule. But you have no right to tell people to leave the masjid. I don't care, it could be Shaykh al-Islam, the scholar of Islam. You have no right to tell people to leave the masjid. The masjid is the house of Allah. What does it mean, the house of Allah? And obviously, Allah does not need a house. It means it's a house for everybody. Allah does not reject anyone. Allah welcomes everybody. That is the meaning of the house of Allah. And the Prophet said, The most beloved land or the most beloved ground to Allah is the masjid. So we have to make it so. So anyway, the Prophet would make the prayer short. Especially if he heard the cry of a baby or a child. He would make it even shorter. He would speed it up. Nowadays, some imams, they hear the cry of the child and they make it longer. We think this is part of piety? No, it is not. It is the sunnah of the Prophet to make it shorter. If you hear the cry of a baby, a child, or you might you know, hear somebody uh, you know, maybe screaming, or they have something, there is like an emergency or something like that, all these cases you should try and shorten the prayer. Because somebody might be in need, somebody might need help, and this is not the time to show your khushua, to show your, your humility in prayer. You can do it sometime, sometime else. But look what it says. If he was praying by himself, if he was praying by himself, he would make it long. Because the Prophet loved to pray. Nowadays, we might do the opposite. You pray by yourself, wow, you pray so fast. Can't even understand what you, what you read. Like you read the Fatiha so quick, you don't remember what you read. You're done. So it's the opposite. The Prophet used to pray a short prayer because he understood behind him is the weak, is the old, is the very young. There may be women praying and children. So he was considerate for all these people because he was the Prophet for everybody. He was not only the Prophet of the, of the young and powerful or the, the, you know, the, uh, the strong. He was a prophet of everybody. So he was very considerate. 
also it says in a different narration, Now the fact that he shortens the prayer does not mean that he steals the prayer. Some people steal, like they don't pray properly. Like before they go into Rukur, they stand up or they, they go out of Rukur. You cannot do that. You have at least to stand still for at least a minute. Otherwise your prayer is not accepted. So at least, at least when you pray, and it doesn't matter whether you pray in congregation, by yourself, anytime you pray, you have to make sure that each and every position, you at least stay for a few minutes, at least a minute. So you're, you know, you're, your body stayed still, but you go like this, like that, doesn't count. And again, I don't mean to like, if you prayed in the past like that, that's fine, but like I'm saying from now on, Take a bit more time. And wallahi, it doesn't cost you much. It's probably a few more minutes. The whole prayer, how long does it take anyways? I mean, it takes, what, five minutes at most? Seven minutes? So if you do it in three minutes, yeah, maybe you're not doing it right. So it's really important to uh, consider this. It says, Yes, his prayer was short, especially with the people, but it was complete. He would not pray an incomplete prayer. All right. Next. كان إذا أخذ مضجعه جعل يده اليمنى تحت خده الأيمن. This is one of the etiquettes of sleep. So when he slept, it says he would usually he would sleep on his right side. So he he would sleep on the side and he would sleep on his right side, and he would sleep on his right hand. One of the you know, ways, it is not recommended, it is in fact disliked that you sleep on your stomach. It's from the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ to sleep on your side, especially the right side. Of course you can flip, I'm not saying you should always like never ever sleep on the other side. You can obviously, especially if you get tired from one side, you can turn, no problem. So don't make it hard, don't make it difficult. I'm just saying it was his habit, it was his sunnah, he liked to sleep on his right side. So for example, you can start sleeping on your right side and then if you have to turn, you can turn. Also, he used to recite Surah Al-Kafirun. He would recite different things, but I'm telling you this because most of you, I hope, memorize Surah Al-Kafirun. You do, right? I hope. How does it start, Surah Al-Kafirun? There you go. So, you're very young, you, you also know it, you should know it. This one of his sunnahs, right before you sleep, you just say, you say the whole surah. All the way to the end. Alright. Skip few. Oh, I want to mention another narration that is related to telling lies. And this is one way the Prophet used to discipline. And that, again, to show you how to at least to the Prophet how important telling the truth was. And I cannot emphasize it enough. Uh, so in this one, he said, it says, A lot of Muslims do not know this. It says that if he knew that one of his family members told a lie, he would not speak to them until they repent. 
And again, this is one way to train ourselves. I mean, it's not like a punishment. It's more like realize that telling a lie is a sin. A lot of people don't even think of telling a lie uh, that it is a sin. They think, ah, it's just, it's not a big deal. So just to train us and think, train us to think that telling lies is a, a form of sin, he would ask people to repent from it. So you can say, you can say, astaghfirullah, you ask Allah for forgiveness, and you try not to do it again. That's all it is. Tawbah is not, you know, again, some people think uh, Tawbah is, you know, this impossible thing. It's very simple. All what Tawbah is, it's a repentance. It's basically your, like, your decision not to make that sin again. Not to sin or not to do that sin again. That's all what Tawbah is. And you say, Astaghfirullah, you say, Oh Allah, forgive me. Okay, we're going to cover cover a few more. I don't know how long it's been, but uh, I, I know I'm not going to cover everything. And if we like it, maybe next time we can cover a few more. But uh, I hope you're learning more about the Prophet and his, uh, you know, uh, you know, his way of thinking, of approaching different problems and his behavior. Uh, and by the way, since I mentioned sleep, I want to mention something else he would say. And even if you cannot say it in Arabic, maybe you can say it in English. It doesn't matter. Uh, but what is important is the meaning. And to bring that meaning within you, even if you don't utter it sometimes, just to think about the meaning is important. Because nowadays we think so much, we pay so much attention to the words and the appearances. What really matters is the state of your heart. If you're not able to say it, of course saying it is better. You're not able to say it. You can still, you know, think of that meaning. So look what the Prophet would think about when he goes to sleep, right before he goes to sleep. So it says, كَانَ إِذَا أَوَى إِلَى فِرَاشِهِ قَالَ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ الَّذِي أَطْعَمَنَا وَسَقَانَا وَكَفَانَا وَآوَانَا فَكَمْ مِمَّا لَا كَافِيَ لَهُ وَلَا مُؤْيَلَا Look what he said. It says, whenever he took to his bed, he came to his bed, right? So he's about to retire, we say, right? For the day. He would say, thank you Allah, alhamdulillah. We all know alhamdulillah, so you don't have to, we don't have to translate it even, right? But he's thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He said, the one who fed us. I mean, many people, I don't know if you realize, many people, even in Phoenix, they go to bed hungry. Don't take it for granted. Even now, we live in such a, a rich country. It's like the richest in the world. And we live in good times. I mean, people in the past, I mean, they had depressions, they had, you know, famines. Alhamdulillah, nowadays we have enough food to, every, to feed everybody on earth. If somebody is going hungry, it's not because of lack of food. It's because of something else. Misallocation, whatever. Political reasons, it's not because of a lack of food. But we still have this problem of hunger. Even in our cities. So he would say, Alhamdulillah, the one who fed us and provided for us water, saqana, wakafana, and he made us fulfilled. He made us sufficient. Like we don't have to ask anyone else. The fact that you're not asking someone else is a great, great bounty. It's a great blessing. 
I mean, some people having to beg, it's, it's really, I mean, I can't even fathom how, how, I mean, it's really hard to do that. To lose your dignity and to, to be so much in need that you have to ask. So the fact that you don't have to ask is, is a great blessing. So the Prophet would say, Alhamdulillah, because I am sufficient. I don't have to ask anyone. Wa'awana, and he provided shelter for us. You have a roof on top of your head. Again, don't belittle these things. We take them for granted, like they're like, we don't even have to think about them, right? Of course I should have a house. Of course I should have food. Of course I should have water. No, 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 don't take it for granted. You don't have to go far away. You don't have to go walk many miles to see somebody sleeping under a bridge. You don't have to walk too far. In fact, the Prophet said in a different hadith, مَنْ أَصْبَحَ مُعَافًا فِي جَسَدِهِ آمِنًا فِي سِرْبِهِ عِنْدَهُ قُوتُ يَوْمِهِ فَكَأَنَّمَا حِيزَتْ لَهُ الدُّنْيَا He said, if you wake up in the morning, if you wake up in the morning, and he said, uh, uh, like, you, you have enough food for the day, not for like two years from now, you have enough food for that day, he said. And you are healthy in your body. You're not aching, you don't have a problem, you don't have a machine attached to you. You're healthy, alhamdulillah. And he said, also you have peace. You don't have to worry about somebody knocking on your door. You go to many countries. They cannot, I mean, they cannot assure that they're going to live till the end of the day. If they walk out of their house, they cannot guarantee that they're going to come back safe. They cannot be sure that they're going to see their kids at the end of the day. So he said, if you wake up with these three things, not a hundred, not a fifty, I know now you go ask, ask anyone for a wish list. They'll give you fifty, hundred items. He said, all you need is three items. Safety, food, and health. And all these things you get for free. Most of them, at least, like, we get safety for free. I mean, you pay taxes and stuff like that. But, and, uh, you know, uh, health. Allah gave it to us. All we have to do is just take care of it. But he said, it's as if you have acquired the whole world. You wake up in the morning, you have these three things. It's as if you have acquired not the city of Phoenix, not a few buildings here and there, not some real estate. It's as if you acquired the whole world. So we should appreciate these things. That's all I'm saying. So he said, again going back to sleep now. So you say, Alhamdulillah, the one who fed us, who gave us food and water, the one who gave us shelter, and who made us sufficient. And then he said, Because how many do not have enough and do not have shelter? So the Prophet recognized that, recognized that many people do not have these simple, basic, basic bounties. Tell me when you're tired, otherwise I'll keep going on. So don't be shy. Alright? I, I don't know what it is, I don't know what it is, but whenever, whenever I read about the Prophet I feel more energy when I read the more I read, the more energy I feel. I don't know what it is, subhanAllah. But this is like one of the, one character that you're not going to be tired of. 
especially if you read like the authentic narrations from the Prophet not the lies you hear around in the media and from other people. So the next one says, كان إذا بعث أحد من أصحابه في بعض أمره قال بشروا ولا تنفروا ويسروا ولا تعسروا. It says whenever he sent someone from his companions to do anything, maybe to tell people about Islam or anything, anything, he would tell them, like he would remind them, بشروا ولا تنفروا. Always give good news. Do not drive people away from you. Do not make people hate you. Do not make people despise you. Make people like you and love you. Bashiru, give good news. Nowadays, Muslims do the opposite. The first thing we talk about is hellfire and you're kafir and you're this and that and Allah will never forgive you. What is this? The Prophet would always remind his companions wherever they went, give good news to people. Don't scare them away. Make it easy on people. Don't make it hard. Some people become Muslim. The first thing we tell them, you have to do this. We give them a long list. Oh, you have to pray on time. And you have to pray like this. And you cannot do this. And you cannot do that. And you have to fast because Ramadan is right, coming right now, tomorrow. And this guy just became a Muslim. Like, what? <laughs> what am I supposed to I can't do all this. It's impossible. The Prophet was not like that. In fact, when he sent Mu'adh, to Yemen, Yemen was not Muslim at the time, right? It was early on. He told Mu'adh, you go easy. You do it one step at a time. He said, the first thing you do is you invite people to say La ilaha illallah, very simple. See if they agree with you first. You invite them to say the Shahada. They believe in one God, okay, great. You don't tell them, yo, you cannot say la ilaha until you agree to all this, like five, ten different things. No, you don't do that. That's wrong. He said, just let them say it. If somebody is ready to say shahada, and I'm telling you now, if somebody is ready to say shahada, don't let anything else stand in the way. I don't care what they do. They could be doing a great sin. Saying the shahada is much better. At least they became Muslim. And then you worry about the rest. But don't say, oh, you have to stop this and this and that and that before you become Muslim. This guy will never be a Muslim. So he would tell Mu'adh, let them say shahada first. And then he's, and if they do that, and only if, then you tell them about the salat and give them some time. Okay? And once they agree and they pray, they start the prayer and everything, then you tell them about zakat. You notice here the, the gradual method of the Prophet ﷺ. You take it one step at a time. You don't dump everything on one person. And this is true even for Muslims. I mean, if somebody has not been doing anything, has never, never uh, you know, practiced Islam, Take it easy on yourself. Even if no one is telling you anything, take it easy on yourself. Do it one step at a time. If you're not praying at all, it's better to pray once than not at all. If you pray three times, it's better than two times. Of course, we want you to pray five times. But if you cannot do it, don't say, I'm going to drop all prayer. One time I met a brother. He said, I told him, I don't see you pray at all. He said, I can't because 
I, I cannot wash my feet. I said, SubhanAllah, why? I mean, pray. You don't drop all the prayer because of some excuse. Do as much as you can. We see, I mean, verses in the Quran. Like, fear Allah as much as you can. Allah gave you this, you know, uh, room. As much as you can. But do it or do some of it. All right. I'll do a couple more. كان إذا تكلم بكلمة أعادها ثلاثا حتى تفهم عنه وإذا أتى على قوم فسلم عليهم سلم عليهم ثلاثا. I hope one day most of you will understand this Arabic. It's beautiful. Some of you do, but I I hope that you put more effort. Inshallah. Uh, we don't do justice when we translate, but let me try. It says, whenever he spoke, whenever he spoke, he would repeat so people understand. In fact, he would repeat the same word three times because this is a prophet, right? And he's in charge of delivering the message, right? And you want to make sure the idea is not to bombard the people with so many ideas and so many concepts and stuff like that. No, 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 no. The idea is to make it easy on people and uh, to make it clear. The message of the Prophet has to be clear. So it says, whenever he spoke, he would repeat the word three times. So that it is understood. Likewise, whenever he would come upon people, if he said, Assalamu alaikum, he would say it three times. Nowadays, if we want to, if we don't like somebody, but we know we have to say salam because it is, you know, it is required on us to at least reply the salam, to respond to the salam. Somebody says, Assalamu alaikum, say, like you, you kind of like eat it up or you, you, you barely, no one can hear it because you're not saying it from your heart. Or somebody you don't like, or somebody you think from a different culture, a different ethnicity, or a different color, and you don't have this, or you have some, maybe some problem in your heart, some racism, or you look down at certain people. So they say, and they're, they're Muslim, they say, Assalamu alaikum, and they're so excited. They say, Wa alaikum salam. What, what does that tell you? What does that tell everybody? The Prophet would repeat it three times. So he made sure it was heard, that he meant it. And he's starting the salam. Like it is sunnah to start, but it is wajib, it is mandatory to reply the salam and to reply properly. Let people hear it. Or some people say, well, I don't know this person. You know, he's a Muslim, that's enough. All you have to know, I mean, you came to the masjid, obviously there are Muslims in the masjid. So don't say, well, I don't recognize this person. This person is not my friend. No, salam is for everybody. It's not only for the people you recognize. Right. <coughs> Any more? Yes. Well, let everybody speak. I don't want you to speak for Anybody tired? No. Oh. These guys. I can't even see them. I'm wearing my reading glass. Who's there? 
Oh, look there. Is the pizza here? Not yet. Not yet. Well, the pizza is a signal. So maybe when we get the pizza, we'll stop. We can do a quiz. I don't think I have any... Oh yeah, we'll do the questions. Well, the problem with the quiz is I don't have any gifts. I don't have any prizes. I haven't seen you in ages. Well, I want somebody to tell me if the pizza is here, so I'll stop. Okay, let's do a couple more and we'll stop inshallah for questions. And I'm sure by that time we'll have the pizza. We can. You want that? All right. Yes, sir. Okay, good idea. So how about this? We'll stop here and we'll do um, some questions and then we'll do the quiz. And I'm sure by that time we'll have the pizza. Yes, sir. Of course, the question from a lawyer to be. So, look at Prophet Ibrahim when he was with his wife. He said, "I don't wish to." When he interpreted lying, he said that it was in the context of the other person not understanding. While it may be truthful, the other person will understand it might be considered lying. So, what is a lie in this context? Okay. So the question is, what is? Excuse me. What is a lie in this context? And the brother brought the example of Ibrahim السلام, and how Ibrahim one time explained what he said not as a lie but as something that is said in a different context or understood in a different context. And this is actually called uh, tawriya in Arabic. And tawriya is when you say something and you mean something else in order to avoid a lie. But the condition for this, and listen carefully, that is the one condition. You only do it if you are in a state of danger. Like your life, your, your life is in danger. In that case, you're allowed to do that. Some people misunderstand it. They say, well, anytime I want to make something happen or to get out of a situation, then I'll do the story. No. In fact, you know, it is mentioned in the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that Ibrahim told three, and I don't want to say lies, but something like that. It happened to him three times. One of them is what you mentioned, and the other one when uh, he destroyed that big idol, and they came to him, it wasn't really a lie. He, would, he really wanted his people to wake up. So they asked him, who destroyed this idol? Or who destroyed these idols? He said, the big idol destroyed the rest of them. And of course they knew that the big idol couldn't move. But he was doing this to make them wake up and, and realize the falsehood of their belief. Okay? And the, the third one was when he looked at the stars and he said, I am sick. So he can avoid going, because he didn't want to worship. They were forcing him to go and worship someone other than Allah. Okay? So in these cases, because, I mean, you, you want to avoid shirk or you want to do something like that, you want to do something like that, you want to avoid something like that, then in those cases you can make tawriya. And tawriya is not telling a lie, it's rather saying something that would imply something else. 
Like for example, when the Prophet was migrating from Mecca to Medina, and the Meccans were after him to kill him, and they were sending spies to see what the Prophet is. So somebody came up in his face, like the Prophet and Abu Bakr were, were in the desert, and somebody just showed up out of the blue. And they did not know if he was a spy or something else. And he did not, he, this man did not recognize the Prophet and Abu Bakr right away. And he asked, who are you? And the Prophet said, Min Ma. Now the word Ma was the name of a tribe. It also means from water, because we're all created from water. So again, the Prophet to avoid, because he was again chased after people wanted to kill him. And if this man identified that this, uh, you know, these two people were Prophet and Abu Bakr, he would have told, you know, on, on them. And he would get a, you know, a bounty. <coughs> so they had bounties on their heads, basically. So in order to avoid that, he said something that is not false. We're all created from water. It's just a coincidence that there's a, a tribe by the name of Ma'am. So stuff like that. But uh, usually, we, we shouldn't do it. So these are like extreme cases. Okay? Yes, go ahead. Before he died, I didn't get how he said, guard the prayers and watch the prayers. I didn't know why you meant that. Oh, nice. And I love the fact that you have a note, a notebook, and yes. you're writing notes. Uh, this is how a, a true seeker of knowledge should be. Uh, and maybe more of you will take him as an example. Yes. So you, you said you did not get what uh, the hadith said, what it says that uh, the last words were, guard your prayer. So basically the Prophet on his deathbed while he was dying, he was asking everybody to pray on time, basically. Is that better? Yeah. Yes, that's all it does. I know guard the prayer might sound very like, fancy, but all it means Pray on time. Don't like. Don't abandon the prayer. Don't leave the prayer. We have. You have a question? Yes, I do. Go ahead. You mentioned about sleeping. You can sleep in your stomach, and you have to sleep on the right side. Why can't sleep on the left side? Why can't we sleep on the left side? Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't say you cannot. You can. I'm just saying it was the habit of the Prophet ﷺ to start sleeping on the right. And then you can turn and sleep on the left. It's like more healthy, but, more healthy to sleep on the right side. Yes. Yeah, they say that. Okay. The heart and the liver will flood and you can breathe. Yeah, I'm not a doctor, but if, uh, this could be an added benefit. I'm not a doctor either, but I read about it. Oh, okay. Thank you. Okay, yes. You said. Wow, these are really good questions. So the brother here said that I said, or I mentioned the hadith, that the, um, the Prophet ﷺ used to pray short prayers, but he heard 
that the Prophet, especially in time of Fajr, he used to recite long surahs. So I want to mention two things here. First, uh, I think the length of the prayer is relative. We know the Prophet ﷺ used to pray long prayers. And now we complain too fast, right? If, we, if the Imam took a little longer, and mashallah, we're strong, we're young, we're everything, we complain that the, that the Imam is taking way too long. So my advice, we have to be patient. Because the Prophet, like the brother said, used to pray longer prayers, especially for Fajr. Uh, so Fajr is the longest, and Isha is medium, and then Maghrib is the shortest. So this is the Sunnah of the Prophet. But I'm saying, if the Prophet, back to you now, if the Prophet realized that somebody behind him was weak or old, or they cannot stay for too long, he would shorten it for them, for their sake. So you're right, on average, you would pray longer prayers, but if he realized that somebody behind him was crying or was in need, he would make it short for them. Okay? Yes. Oh man. So the question is, for the matter of sleeping, what if your both your right and left hands are broken? Guys, I mean, I want to tell you one thing, but you can take it as a rule for everything. Islam is easy. And I think we mentioned a hadith about that. Don't make it hard. You, of course, you could sleep any way you want. I mean, obviously, if your, your hands are broken, what else can you do? You have no option but to sleep. You can sleep anywhere you want. You can sleep on your back, right? Same question I hear, like, if, you're, if my uh, right hand is broken or I cannot use it, can I eat with my left hand? Of course, how, how else are you going to eat? Like, <laughs> you want somebody to feed you all the time? Of course you can eat with your left hand, no question about it. Islam is not hard. The Prophet told us, Alhamdulillah, most of our right hands are good and useful and we could use them. Then you could go and use them. And if you have a choice, of course you use the right hand. But if you don't have a choice, your hand is not you know, operational, it's out of work, out of order, then what do you do? You use your left hand. No problem. Okay? So take it easy. Don't take it hard on you. Any other questions? Should we move to the quiz? Oh, we have a quiz. Okay. Come on. So all these attributes that, that, um, that you said the Prophet had and the Sahaba, can all these be applied to the other prophets, especially for different times? So like different, like how they came to different generations, how like uh, normalities of the Prophet weren't normalities. Hmm. That's a good question. So the question is, all these qualities we mentioned of the Prophet would they be applicable to other prophets? Many of them, actually. Maybe not all of them. So some of them might be specific to the time of the Prophet or specific to the Prophet but many of them because you know why because the, the scholars would separate between the culture of the Prophet those not considered hadith like you don't find many hadith talking about how the house of the Prophet was because he, he lived in a house like everybody else even the clothing of the Prophet was not different so these what we call them al-umur al-jibiliya the natural things that everybody does so the, usually the hadith narrated to us are things that the Prophet recommended or things that the Prophet did on a regular basis. 
But we cannot say that everything the Prophet did would have been done by the Prophets before him. We don't know that. But many, in fact, for example, the prayers, a lot of people don't realize that many, many of the Prophets prayed like the Prophet Muhammad But not exactly like the, there could be some variations, but like the important elements, like sujood, like rukuah. But it may not be exactly like we pray now. But there are a lot of similarities, but this is hard to uh, research because most of the news from the other prophets are not kept, I mean, they're not written, so we don't know what they did. So it's really hard to make that comparison. But for example, sometimes you take a hint. There's one hadith that says, نَحْنُ مَعَاشِرَ الْأَنْبِيَاءُ we, the prophets, were commanded to put our right hand over our left hand in salat. Sorry, Malikis and other But this is actually, the reason I mentioned this hadith is because it says, we, the prophets. So it shows that all the prophets did it. Right? So sometimes you, you, you see uh, indications like that, or, or you know, hints like that. Okay. Anything else? Yes. Pizza's here? Oh man, it's official. So last last question. I was talking to him when he said um, he's civilized, so he uses a fork. The hand is not a civilized person. Is that true? <laughs> and look, I think it's okay. So by the way, I have one rule in this halaqa. You can ask any question. I, I don't care what you say. It's all okay. It's all fine. Uh, so you don't have to be shy or reserved. It's all fine. What you think is okay. So the question is, I eat with a fork and a knife and I think this is a civilized way. Is that okay? I mean, first of all, I don't think that the fork itself or the knife is a sign of civilization. But I would say it's, of course it is okay. It's up to you how you want to eat. The point is, I mean, when you look in the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, what is Sunnah is to eat with the right hand. Because now, for example, if you, if you look at table manners, right? What they teach you is, you cut with the right and you eat with the left. That you should not do. So you want to use a fork, fine, but use your right hand. That is the Sunnah. Another part of the Sunnah also to, to be careful about, how much we eat. I mean, a lot of people don't realize, oh, you have to eat with your hand, but they use five fingers and the palm, and the... this is not the sunnah. The sunnah is to eat, so if you want to eat with your fingers, you use three fingers. And the point is, there's a reason. The reason is to eat little, not to stuff your face, as we say. That's not the sunnah. So we have to pay attention to what is sunnah. The sunnah here is to eat modestly, and not to stuff your face and to overeat. So, so if you eat like that with the fork, there's no problem, of course. All right, I think we're done here. Thank you so much for coming. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, one more thing. There's uh, a brother here who has uh, tickets for a fundraiser for ACA. Please go check with them and try and make it. Sorry, I, you should have reminded me. <laughs>
Insha'Allah tonight I want to uh, continue a little bit uh, talking about some of the attributes of the Prophet, peace be upon him. And I, I want a timekeeper. Anybody can keep the time. I want to only spend 30 minutes, half an hour, start the clock right now, and please alarm me. Uh, I don't want to go beyond 30 minutes so that you don't get bored. Uh, 8.30, yeah, that's fine. So, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll stop 8.30, and then, not 8.29, 8.30, and then uh, we do some questions and maybe hopefully a quiz. I heard there's some uh, prizes coming on the way. Hopefully they arrive on time. Um, don't, uh, do, don't do any ambush or anything like that. So, uh, so inshallah, tonight I want to continue with that, and uh, inshallah we'll cover more of the uh, attributes of the Prophet. As I said last time, these will be sporadic. They'll be uh, picked at random, uh, no particular order. And remind me, I want you guys to remind me, why are we studying the attributes or the habits of the Prophet, peace be upon him? Why not someone else? Why not talk about some celebrities? Uh, I don't know, 50 Cent or Eminem or whoever it is. I don't know. Uh, you guys uh, keep up with that stuff more than I do. Um, Kobe, I don't know, whoever it is. Why we study the Prophet What is the benefit? What is the reason? Yes. He is what? He's our uh, best role model. Yes. What else? There. Yes. Somebody? Whoever raised their hands. I'll tell you one reason, and there's several, but one definite reason we uh, study the Prophet, and we learn about him, simply because... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us in the Quran, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ فَاتَّبِعُونِي يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهِ Say, if you claim that you love Allah, and many people make the claim, we love God, we love God, and you know, they sing about that and all that. If you make a claim that you love Allah, then follow the Prophet, he said, and Allah will love you. So when you follow the Prophet, this is... A proof, it's evidence, it's like evidence that you love Allah. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught the Prophet. Right? So his actions, his attributes, his habits are not like anyone else. Because he was taught by Allah. He was taught by God. So therefore, his actions and his habits are beloved and they're liked by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the reason. So that's why Allah will love us if we follow the Prophet Also the fact that many Muslims have no idea who the Prophet is, what he was like, what he did. Yes, they say we believe in Prophet Muhammad, we believe he was the last Prophet, and they might know a couple of stories from here and there, they, they heard in Sunday school or Islamic school, whatever school, but they don't know him enough. They, do, they don't know how he was, how he acted, 
what were his habits, what were his, you know, uh, you know uh, the things that he, that he did on a regular basis. So let us, inshallah, study a few more uh, of his, uh, you know, uh, these, these hadith basically are the hadith that starts with the word, remember from last time? What is the word? Kana, very good. He used to. He used to. So uh, one of them is Kana Iva Lakiahu Ahadum Min Ashabihi Fakama Mahu Kama Mahu Falam Yan Sarif Hatta Yakuna Rajuhu Levian Sarifuan. There was one habit, one thing that the Prophet did. If any of his companions and he would not differentiate between a young person, an old person, if somebody came to meet with him, the Prophet would stand up. He would go and meet with them, and he would not leave until this man decides to leave. Nowadays, if you're, if you're famous, if you're popular, if you're a celebrity, you have no time for anyone, right? And even if you had time, it's only to like, uh, maybe, I don't know, do an autograph. Like you're so super important, your time is so precious, you have no time for anyone. Especially those people who we look down at, those people who are not so important. Right? So we have no time for these people. We just quickly smile or give you a quick autograph and then flee, run away. The Prophet ﷺ was not like that. He would wait until the other person is done, until the other person is finished. <coughs> and he would do that with everyone, it says. Even when he shook someone's hand, he would not, he would not be the first one to take it away. Another hadith, it says, Kana إِذَا مَشَى أَقْلَى Whenever he walked, he would uh, hurry. Akla is like he would walk, I don't know, briskly, or he would almost like jog. So he was walking fast, meaning. He doesn't walk, I mean, some people when they walk, they're just like, uh, they don't, I mean, the impression you get, like, why am I even walking? I don't want to sit. I want to sit down. I want to sit on my couch. I want to take some, you know, long rest. So you could see the energy. That's what it says. And in fact, in another hadith, it's not here. It says, look, when you look at him, it's like a flood. Like you see the energy. This is the kind of energy, especially if you're young. I mean, what are you going to do when you're 50? If you're walking like this when you're 15 or 20, what are you going to do when you're 50 or 60? Well, you're going to need reading glasses. But other than that, I mean, this is a time you're going to show energy. In fact, also it says in, 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 the, in the second hadith related, actually, When he walked, he would not look around. What does that mean to you? I mean, if you heard this, what does that indicate? Yes. Uh, he's not getting distracted. He's not getting distracted. Very good. It means also he had an aim. He was going after something. He has no time to look around and waste time. And I mean, um, there is also the verse in the Quran when Luqman gave uh, this advice to his son. He told him, Waqsid fi mashik. Like, have an aim. And this is not just when you walk on the street. Have an aim in life. A lot of people, they just wander about. They're still deciding what to do with their lives. Okay, fine, you were. 18, you're 20, you're not sure. Now you're 25, you're 30. You're still not sure what to do. So here the idea is have an aim. I mean, think about it. And, and you know, you could sit down and think about what you want to do in life. 
We don't just live life as it comes. You know, however it hits you. You know, you go with the flow, as we say, right? You go with the flow. It's good, it's good to go with the flow, meaning that you're not always stubborn, but also have an aim in life. Have a sense of purpose. I see it a lot, especially now with the young adults, especially the male. Like they're just totally, uh, I, I don't know, angry with society and angry with the school system and angry with this and angry with that. And I'm not happy either. I'm not happy with everything I see around me. But we can't go about life being angry. You've got to have an aim. You've got to have a purpose. If you don't like something, try and change it if you can. We cannot change everything, but yes, we can change a few things. So the Prophet of Islam, when he, whenever he walked, he walked with a sense of purpose. He had an aim. He was going after something. Not just wandering around, hanging around, as we say. Another one, He was the most compassionate when it came to children. And to, like, uh, it says, Sibyan and Iyal. Sibyan could also refer to boys, but also children in general. So he would show um, compassion, and he would show interest in everybody. Like, sometimes you go to some circles, some gatherings, and, you know, they, they set the children on the side, and the adults on the other side, and there's no interaction. And nowadays we have this huge gap. It's a, we call it a generational gap. Uh, the adults have no idea how to talk to young adults. Like even when you speak, you speak in the same language, like English, but you're not speaking the same language. You Like you're living in a different world. And uh, the young adults have a totally different life. They have a totally different aspiration. And they, there's no connection with the adults. So the Prophet ﷺ actually bridged that uh, you know, gap. And there were no separation between, there were no separation between uh, young people and old people. Uh, Umar عنه, used to invite actually young people. He used to invite Ibn Abbas. And Umar at the time, he was the leader of the Muslim, you know, empire. He would have young people in his court in case there is any question, uh, any, any need for advice. So some of the advisors were very young. And I think it's up to us, all of us, especially the young. You have to also participate in these discussions. I know it's kind of scary. Some people, some of you are making faces, but uh, I think it's up to both, uh, you know, the adults and the young adults to bridge this gap. So the Prophet ﷺ used to be compassionate with everyone, and he would pay attention to everyone. Okay, another, uh, you know, uh, hadith or another, we could say habit, because remember when we talk about kana. Anything that is mentioned here is like a habit. Something he used to do, he used to do on a regular basis. So what about the, the dua that he made on a regular basis? Well, the dua actually the, that he did, and it says, Like the most common dua he used to make was, 
You know, it was known that the dua of the Prophet was comprehensive. Nowadays, when we make dua, Oh Allah, give me this car. Oh Allah, give me this job. Oh Allah, give me this whatever, uh, you know, some amount of dollars. The Prophet's dua was very comprehensive. So he would, we, we'd go, would go and he would call the best of this world and the best of the, uh, of the hereafter. So it says, رَبَّنَا آتِنَا فِي الدُّنْيَا حَسَنًا Oh Allah, give us goodness or something good in this life. Because Allah knows more than you. If you say good, Allah will pick the good for you. Now we're picking our own good and we have no idea. So he would say, Oh Allah, give us the best of this life and the best of the hereafter. And you all should learn this dua. I know there could be so many dua, it could be confusing, but these dua, a small one like this, you could remember and you can say any time. Very simple. Atina fi dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana. Save us from the hellfire. Okay, another one. Again, this is like random, so I'm gonna go from you know from one thing to another, different topics. Uh, these are just again habits of the Prophet When people knocked on his door, they would knock with their fingers or fingernails. Even it could be the fingernail, meaning it was very gentle knock. Nowadays, when we knock, like you're hitting your friends, what do you do? Like, and you're trying to break the door almost. This is from, actually, this is from the etiquettes. In Islam, actually, there's a whole, a whole you could say a whole chapter about istidhan. Like, how do you get permission to go into someone's house? You don't just barge in. I mean, some people, even inside your own house, you don't just barge into someone else's room. Not your parents, not your siblings. There are certain etiquettes. You knock first. And you don't just knock and barge. Wait until you hear the signal, like it's okay to come in. All right? And when you do it, do it gently. So this is the idea here. <coughs> All right. Another one, it says, كَانَ رَحِيمًا وَكَانَ لَا يَأْتِيهِ أَحَدٌ إِلَّا وَعَدَهُ وَأَنْجَزَ لَهُ إِنْ كَانَ عِنْدَهُ So he was, we said he was compassionate, and here it says he was merciful, and there's no one that came to him except that, okay, except that he would give them a promise, like, I want to help you. And, it, you know, whenever he could help, he would help. Because he can't help all the time, right? And I think, inshallah, this is something that we all should be trained to do as much as we can. Because sometimes, I mean, we, we become so rude. Like, even if you cannot help, you don't have to, like, be rude about it. And we see this all the time now. People being rude to homeless people, to poor people, to needy people. I understand not, not many times you can help or you might think they're fake or, or they're begging for, uh, you know, uh, for, for you know, uh, 
being ri uh, to be rich or, or that they already be rich and you make you know, fun of that and you make some jokes like they have lots of money in the bank. We don't know. If you don't want to help, just stay out of it. I mean, just walk away or, or don't engage. It's not appropriate in, in any circumstance to be making fun of these people. So the Prophet ﷺ would do his best. If he can help, he would help. If he doesn't, he might give a promise that I'll try and help you in the future if I can. Because you have no idea what people go through. And not everybody is out to get you or to trick you. And if you want to take precautions, it's all fine. But do not make fun of these people. Do not mock these people. All right. The next one might be a little hard for us to do, but I'll mention it anyway, because remember, the Prophet ﷺ is a role model. And he was an exemplary person. A lot of times we may not be able to get where he was, but we should learn about it anyways, just to know who he was. So this one says, So he was... He would stay silent for a long time. He would love silence. You know, nowadays we love to talk. Blab, gossip. I mean, many, we have many uh, words for that. And قليل الضحك. He would not laugh so much. And we live in a society where comedy is like, you know, the most appealing thing. We all love to laugh. And we love to watch these uh, video clips, you know, we have sitcoms, we have stand-up comedies, we have all kinds of things. And I'm not saying, I mean, laughing is okay, it's not haram, I'm not saying that it is. But notice here, it did not say he did not laugh at all, he would not laugh way too much. And it's, it's important for us to be serious sometimes, because some people, they're always in this humorous mode. They never take anything seriously. So, and the Prophet had more knowledge than we did, and he, he would say sometimes that if you knew what I know, then you would not laugh as much. And this is something special about the Prophet ﷺ. So it's totally okay to laugh, and it's fine to sometimes watch comedy, but don't watch something that has lots of, you know, foul language and stuff like that. But there's a lot of clean comedy too, I think. Um, but overall, it's also important to be serious and to take matters seriously. Because for a simple reason, guys, we don't have a lot of time on this earth. If you take all your life as a joke, before you know it, you're going to be, you know, 30, 40. You get old and you die. I mean, I don't want to depress you. But life is short. So we have to take advantage of the time we're given on this earth. So if you think everything is funny and nothing is important, nothing is worth looking at and everything's a joke, before you know it, life will go away and it will, it will disappear. So also you need to be serious. That's the idea here. I don't think the Prophet ever forbade anyone from laughing. In fact, himself, he would crack jokes sometime. So he was also uh, light-hearted, and he was funny in some cases. All right. Another one. 
كان كلامه فصلا يفهمه كل من سمعه his words were very precise concise i would say فصل so it'll deliver the meaning you know you listen to some people and they talk for hours and you don't know where the beginning of the sentence is where the end of the sentence is and they keep you know going and going and you wonder are they going to stop are they going to take any uh, breather in between but the prophet ﷺ, his words were you know short to the point and they were well understood and this is something important for all of us because i believe that we muslims specifically especially young adults we are not ready to represent Islam because, well, one of the reasons is because we're not good in speaking. And this is, I say this to encourage us, especially you guys, the young people. I mean, I know some of you might make fun of your parents because of their accents, but focus on you. Are you able to speak? And people listen to you. I mean, this is one of the important skills to have a life. Like if you want to succeed in life, whatever it is, Whatever job, whatever career, whatever ambition you have, if you want to succeed in life, you have to master three skills. Reading, writing, and speaking. It's not a joke. You have to be good in these things. Why are we waiting for you know, some non-Muslim to stand up and defend us and speak on our behalf or represent us? We should speaking for ourselves. We don't want anyone to speak for us. We don't need it. You guys can do it. But it takes time, it takes effort, and you have to train yourself. And there are many, many things you can do. Now, mashallah, there's a lot of things, a lot of tools, a lot of things you can do in order to train yourself. But here, I just say it because it's important. I want to remind us. You know, you stand up, you, you, know, you stutter, you, you're not sure what to say, you're not confident of yourself, you're looking around to see somebody to tell you what to do or what to say. That's not right. You know, the purpose, when the Prophet spoke, his purpose is so that people understand him. The idea is not to give you a beautiful speech or to have people clap for you. The idea is to communicate to deliver a message. And sometimes you can deliver it in few words. It's not about the, you know, the quantity. It's about the quality. So that's the idea here. It says very clearly, Anyone that heard him would understand him. He spoke at the level of people. In fact, there's a different hadith that says, Speak to people at their level. Do you, and then it says, do you want people to, like, not believe you? Because when you speak at a different level, like, you go to some people, I don't know, they're, like, maybe not so educated. And you start speaking with this, like, you, you use big words, uh, you know, vocabulary that no one has heard of. You think this, these people respect you? They think, you think they're going to think that you are educated? No. They're going to think you are, you know... You're proud of yourself, you're annoying, you are arrogant. That's what they're going to think. So you have to speak to people at their level. All right. 
Timekeeper. Who is my timekeeper? You are. There's still seconds. Only Whoa, look at that. Okay, hold on. Six minutes and how many seconds? Six minutes, 46 seconds. Now it's 46, all right. Okay, a few more, inshallah. كان مما يقول للخادم ألك حاجة He would ask his servant Do you want anything? Like as we say today Can I help you? Now this to show you the humility of the Prophet Even when he had somebody to help him Like a servant or something like that It wasn't to put him down Nowadays when we have a servant Or maybe not even before And now Like we treat them That they're like slaves and this is totally wrong. So the Prophet ﷺ would even help them. And he would say, do you, do you have any need? Uh, can I help you? Can I do anything for you? Uh, Another one. When he ate, he would not eat while... Like I know some people, they just lay down or lay on the side and they're eating. So it says he would like sit up when he's eating and he would not allow people to follow him. Nowadays, if there's like uh, an important leader, even some Muslim, whatever, shiuch or leader, you see a lot of people following them. The Prophet would not like that. In fact, Ibn Abbas, one of the uh, companions of the Prophet, he said, don't do it. Because it's a humiliation for the people who are following somebody. Like the Prophet wanted everybody to be a leader. You should not be like a follower. Nowadays, we have so many followers. You can't think for yourself, so you want someone to think for, to think for you. So it was the habit of the Prophet, that no one should walk behind me. No one is left behind, as we say today. Everybody walk with the Prophet. You can walk in front of him. But he would say, leave my back to the angels. Leave my back to the angels. So now I'm going to speed up a little bit because we're running out of time. He would not have any bad omen. Like nowadays, you know, we say uh, it's Friday the 13th. So it's a bad luck, right? The Prophet would never believe in that stuff. The Prophet was never uh, superstitious, right? Uh, no, nothing like, you know, whatever. I don't, nowadays we have so many things like black cat, it brings bad luck or something like that. The Prophet does not believe or would not believe in that. So he would not like and he would not believe in bad omen. But he believes in good omen in the sense like he's always optimistic. He's not pessimistic. Now, dakl is like the bad date, like a date that is kind of hard to chew, it's kind of old, uh, you know. So, the Prophet, is, basically it says here that he did not have enough food. Even that, you know, those bad dates, he would not even have enough of that to fill his stomach. This is just to show us how poor the Prophet ﷺ was. And nowadays we so, I mean, I don't know what it is, but <coughs> even good food now we throw away. And we think it's not good enough. And we're tired of this food. And I'm sick and tired of that food. What's going on? So imagine, you know, bad dates. 
And the Prophet would not have enough of that. He did not have enough of that to fill his stomach. So he would stay hungry some nights. So just the disparity of our situation and his situation. Again, we, sometimes we cannot reach, like I said, we cannot reach his level. But just think about it. You know, we say the Prophet was the best of humanity. But he would not have enough food to eat and to fill his stomach. And nowadays we complain so much. Oh, this food is this, and this food is that, and it's one day old. So what? This one is a tough one, and I don't think anyone can do it today, but I'll mention it just for, you know, historical reasons, maybe. Uh, he would not keep anything for tomorrow, meaning he would have, I mean, so he, he would work enough for a day, or he would stock food enough for a day. Nowadays, we stock food enough for a year, or maybe more. So, uh, you know, I, I think life has changed, but this also tells you something. It's, it's also about having this full uh, trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which many of us cannot accomplish today. People are not pushed away from the Prophet. Again, nowadays, if you find any important leader uh, or anything like that, you see like the, these you know, uh, uh, guards or whoever, right? Uh, they're pushing people away from the president. They're pushing people away from a, a, a public figure, someone who's important, right? But nothing like that happened with the Prophet Everybody was invited. Everybody had the ability and the opportunity to sit next to the Prophet if you came early. So this proximity to the Prophet was never an issue, And you would never be pushed away from the Prophet, <coughs> Nowadays you have, I mean, some, some presidents worry about who is in the picture. I remember, I think, President Obama, when he had like two hijabis in the back. And there was a, like a lot of uh, debate about it, right? And... You know, these people have all these uh, concerns, right? But the Prophet was so accessible. No one would be put... Is that my time? Are we in sync here? Amr, what's the, what's the word? Second second, ten seconds. There's 20 on my phone, so you got time. I, I, do I get some time back? Because you wasted some time now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you. You're the man. How much time do I have according to your clock? Uh, I think like two more minutes. Two more minutes. Yay. Late, late, late. All right, sorry. Okay. I don't know about this one. I think all of us fail at this one. He would not make his khutbah long or he would not make his admonition long on the day of Friday and the idea here is you want to remind the people but you, won't, you do not want to overburden the people uh, Imam al-Zuhri used to say إِذَا طَالَ الْمَجْلِسِ كَانَ لِلشَّيْطَانِ فِيهِ نَصِيبٍ if a gathering especially a gathering of uh, preaching or reminders or even teaching or knowledge or anything like that he said if it is too long then the shaitan will have a portion of it like you start noticing people looking around and 
talking to each other and cracking jokes like some people are doing now. Not all of you. Some of you are really good, by the way. No, but this is human nature. I mean, uh, I don't, you know, I'm not offended myself, but, and this is the point, uh, the Prophet ﷺ would not make it too long because people would get bored. This is why we have a timekeeper. Right? So I think now my time is over. Okay, so I'll honor the time and we'll stop here. And now we're going to go to the next phase, which is questions. After that, that's the third segment, inshallah. Yes. So, since you, you said that, uh, uh, Prophet Muhammad was trying not to make, make khutbahs long on the day of Friday. Uh, what about any other day, like today? Like, you try to keep track of time. What would that, like, still be? Huh. Very good. So the brother is asking, you said that he would not, t he, he would not make uh, the Friday you know, khutbah too long or long. What about other days? So we have some reports on that. For example, there's a hadith that says, كَانَ الرَّسُولَ The Prophet ﷺ would give us uh, you know, reminders only so often, like not so often. Like he would pick, so yatakhawal is like to pick the right time to give an admonition. So it's not like you go someplace, I don't know, you go to a camp or you go to, you know, and you're bombarded by lecture after lecture. No, no, he would pick the right time. Uh, and uh, in, one, in one case it says he would pick like Thursdays to remind people. So it's not every day, right? Only one day a week, that's good enough. And I think it's up to like the uh, I think it's up to the customs of the people and the time and age you live in. So yatakhawal I think is the key word here. You see what people need. Are they in need of a reminder? If you see people already bored and tired, that's not a time. It's not the right time. Imam Ahmad once said, "Laysa min al-waqar al-waqar fi al-bustan." Like you're trying to be appropriate and formal in the garden. He said, this is not the right time. In the garden, you loosen up. You, you know, sit the way you want. You, you know, you wear, you know, uh, casual, right? So every time has its, you know, thing. Okay. Any questions? We might have one actually online. Wow. We don't usually have those. And People are going to look at me funny because I'm staring right into the camera now. But I don't have my reading glasses, so my apologies. We can make glasses. Can somebody read it, actually? Might help. <laughs> Still okay. You're going to be on camera. You're going to be famous for a few minutes. Someone wanted to ask, does the Prophet say anything about those who don't think but just follow what someone else does? Oh, see again? Sorry. I somebody... Does the Prophet say anything about those who don't think but just follow what someone else does? Oh, okay. So the pro does the Prophet say about anything, uh, does he say anything about those who follow? There's a hadith that has some weakness, but I think it is true in meaning. It says, لا يكن أحدكم إما إذا أحسن الناس أحسن وإذا أساء الناس أساء so don't be imma'a. And imma'a comes from the word ma', like with. So don't always be like a blind follower. That's what it means. Like if they're good, you're good. If they're bad, you're bad. 
A Muslim should never be like that. Rather, he said, if they're good, you should be good. And if they're bad, you stay away. You don't have to follow. Who said you have to follow them when they make a bad decision? Reminds me like some of the poetry in Jahiliya, which is the time pre preceding Islam. There was a poet who said, he was so proud of his tribe. And I tell you, nowadays we have so many people proud of their heritage. Like whatever it says, I follow. I don't care. I'm a proud follower uh, or I'm a proud, uh, I don't know, American or Irish or Chinese or Indian uh, or Arab. And they just follow the culture. So this man, and it look, you, you look at his... It, what was that? Tickling. Yeah. Okay, don't, please don't tickle, but also don't hit, especially on the face. So it's something I did not mention. It's not in here, but I'm not gonna, he's not on camera, so people don't see it. But the Prophet ﷺ forbade us to hit somebody on the face. Okay. What, what, was, what was the question, by the way? I forgot. Oh, no, yeah, about the Ghaziyah. So basically, this man says, I am from the tribe of Ghaziyah. If my tribe transgress, I also transgress. If, and if my tribe decides to do good things, I do good things. So this is not how we should be. A Muslim should have a, a mind of their own. If people in your school, they decide to vape, you should not vape. You have a mind of your own. If they want to smoke, why, why do you have to follow? Don't you have a mind of your own? <clears throat> so just don't just follow the crowd. Be strong and stand for your uh, self, stand for your principles. Okay, any other questions? Yes. Uh, two questions, one for me and one for my sister. Okay. Uh, my question is, this was brought up in my English class yesterday, and it was, is it okay for soldiers to do as they're told? Like, a lot of people, this is a bit of a controversial subject, but a lot of people say that the Nazis were just, like, the Nazi soldiers were just following orders. Uh, so, is there anything said in either the Quran or a Hadith that talks about that? Well, I know a scholar, Muslim scholars have talked about that, and the question is, for the people who did not hear, is it okay to follow orders when they're like kind of forced on you, like you're a soldier and you're, you're asked to kill someone, for example, and this someone is innocent, right? And you're asked, like you mentioned the Nazis, but this happened in many, many places, right? Uh, where you're commanded to kill an innocent civilian, for example. Absolutely not. You do not follow the orders. Now you might say, and it does happen sometimes, if I don't kill, they're going to kill me. And Muslim scholars have said it clearly. If in that case, yes. I'm, and I know it's hard, but uh, we, we also have to present the truth when we can. Yes, you risk being killed. Because now, I mean, one innocent people will die. One innocent person will die. It should not be you doing the killing. And the Prophet told us in a hadith, which could be similar, it's not the exact situation, but he said in times of fitna, 
when people are fighting each other and innocent people can die, he said, "Kun Abdullah al-Maktul, wala takun Abdullah al-Qatil." Be the servant of God who is killed, and do not be the servant of God who kills. So that should give us an idea, inshallah. Also, the second question, my sister said, um, if Prophet got enough food for one day, obviously time has changed. So what would be appropriate, and what would we do with food we don't want and can't be refrigerated? These are great questions. I love these questions, by the way. The question is, uh, we know, we can actually observe, that times have changed. So, at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, we said that they would not keep food for more than a day. But nowadays, what do we do with the leftovers or the things we cannot refrigerate, right? And what else? Uh, and, uh, we don't want. and we don't want. I mean, I, first of all, uh, I mean, it's okay to eat leftover. I, I think it's, it's, it's good to train yourself to, to do that sometimes. Uh, I mean, as long as the food is not bad, there's nothing wrong in eating uh, leftover, number one. Number two, I think uh, there are different options. I mean, for me, for example, a lot of times, I mean, I have a backyard, and I know many birds visit my backyard, all kinds of birds. A lot of food you can just give to birds, like the bread uh, and, and rice, and don't give them meat, I don't think it's a good idea, but like lots of other, uh, you know, uh, types of food you can give to birds. If you know uh, needy people, although I don't, I mean, I prefer that we give people from the best, not the worst. But still, if there's a way or if there's an outlet where you can help people, and, and if it's good food, you can do that as well. Um, and maybe one thing we can do, uh, you know, ahead of time, before you end up with this problem, is to plan it properly and cook enough. Don't cook too much, for example. You, you know how much your family consumes, so maybe cook you know, appropriately. Because if you, you make so much food, and I know this happens a lot when we have parties, we have like, uh, you know, Muslim events. Oh, thank you. Is that for me? Okay, that's for the uh, quiz coming up shortly. So I think also good planning will, will help solve this problem. Okay, any other questions? Oh, we have another one online. I think it's a different one. If it is the same, I apologize. Maybe just skim it first and see. Is it the same one? No. Okay. Why did their prophet name... Wait. Why did their prophet name thing, names things... Why did, why, did, why did Prophet name his things? Really? Yeah, is that a question? How did the Prophet teach such study also? Oh, I think uh, he's asking, uh, and he said another kid. No, no, That's no, brother. no. He's saying another person asked. Okay. Why did the Prophet name his things? Oh, oh, I think you mean like um, naming your... Ride like your donkey, your camel, your stick, your whatever. I mean, the, the objects you use, why do they name them? Um, I don't know. I think one, I mean, one reason we name things, because usually when you, you name something, it shows that you care about it. So now it means you have a personal relationship with it. 
Anytime you name something. That's why if you don't want to be, um, I guess, attached to something, don't name it. Don't give it a name. Okay? So that could be a reason. It shows respect. And the Prophet, I, mean, I didn't read it today, but there are a lot of uh, hadith that talks about the compassion of the Prophet with animals, how he cared about animals. So we didn't have time to mention that today, but it is definitely one of his uh, attributes. And how did the Prophet والسلام, teach st- slash study? Um, I mean, maybe this is a long topic, and I already see that you guys are getting a bit uh, restless. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I mentioned a few, um, a few ideas here. The fact that he would uh, be slow in his teaching, he would repeat, uh, and I, I didn't mention it today, he would repeat the same thing three times to make sure everybody uh, got the idea. He would go slow in, in his teaching, and he would teach by example. That's really important, that he teaches by example. And a lot of times, like, especially if you have a companionship, if you accompany, like, say, a wise man, a lot of his teaching is not in speech. It's like you watch him. Uh, it's also narrated that people that attended the halaqa of Imam Ahmed, it was a little bigger than this one. They had like a thousand or so attendees, uh, or even like 2,000, but only 500 were taking notes and like seeking knowledge, like learning from Imam, uh, the Imam, Imam Ahmed. And it says the rest would sit down and learn from his manners, how he interacts with people, how he talks to people, how he handles himself, as we say. So that is a, an important part of teaching as well. But that's a, a longer topic, so I'll stop here. Uh, anyone else, or should we go for the quiz? One more? Last question. Um, my sister asked another question, but this might be too long of an answer. Okay. How do we find out what we want? If it's too oh, wow. That's a halakha, actually. How do we find out what we want in life? You guys want to make it the next topic? Is that good enough? Show of hands? How do we know what we want in life? Oh, wow. A lot of us are lost. I'll, I'll, I'll raise my hand to you. I'm lost too. Yes. Everything that I do, I find that I'm passionate about it. Like, you know, um, police work, passionate about it. Chemistry, passionate about it. You know, anything, I'm just passionate about it, and I don't know what to do. Actually, this, this is a good problem to have. But, but eventually, yes, you have... Well, you're young, alhamdulillah. So you have time to experiment and uh, because sometimes you might think you like something but after you study it for a while or you, you deal with it for a while, you might say, well, I like it but this is not the thing I want to go after. It's not the favorite thing I want to go after. So it's good when you're young to do this because now you're going to experiment with different things and eventually, inshallah, you'll arrive to a few things that you really, really want to do. That's what you want to pick, inshallah. So that's a quick answer. But maybe next time we, we can give you more ideas. Like yeah, we can make the halaqa about that. How do I get to the angle of knowing what I want? Okay, inshallah. Let's do that next time. All right. Good. Let's move to segment three. All right. So turn off all devices.